Well, hello. That's a little overwhelming. Um, hey, have you guys ever seen the movie Cars, you know, with Lightning McQueen? Um, I never really thought of it as prophetic, but I think I stand corrected because I think this is what church would look like in Radiator Springs. So if, if you would do me a favor, if, uh, if, if anything I am saying is resonating with you, if you could throw a hand out the window or like blink your light to me, that'd be so awesome because it's weird to preach to cars is how I feel. Thank you for that. Um, so um, we are really excited to be here today. I am really excited to talk with you. I think um, the state of our country feels really intense and really fragile right now. And um, I would say I am really honored and really humbled that I would be the one who would stand in front of you today, either here in this parking lot or... And um, so I think, I think we're all pretty aware of what's going on in our country, that there is a lot going on. I feel like we are in the midst of a shaking and a rendering, and a lot of me wonders, where is all of this going to settle? When all of this settles down eventually, where are we going to land? What is happening to our country? We are obviously living in unprecedented times, and I... I feel like God laid it on my heart this morning for us to talk about, I think we're pretty aware of what we see, what we see on the news, what is happening in the world. What I want to talk about this morning is what is happening in the unseen story. What we see with our eyes is something's different than what's going on in the spirit. And I want to take some time this morning to look at what is happening in the unseen story. What is happening in the spiritual story? What is the climate spiritually of our nation? What is happening here? And then how do we pray? What is God up to right now? What is the enemy up to right now? And what are we as God's children supposed to be up to right now? So in Ephesians 6, it talks about that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but our battle is against the rulers, the powers, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our battle, our battle is not against people. So no matter someone's politics, their stance, their opinion, and for sure, no matter the color of their skin, our battle is not against any man. Our battle is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We have an enemy who is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. And we have a God that has said, I have come to bring you life and life to the full. And so what does it mean that we as God's children will go, how do we fight this battle spiritually? How do we step in to this season in our nation and go, God, what are you doing? And how do we join God in what he is doing? In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Do you think he's doing that in our country? Be going like, gosh, how do I start to devour some things? Um. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Do not be unaware of the devil's schemes that he might not outwit us. Do you think he's got going, ooh, I have got a plot. I have got a plan. What could I do to destroy this country? What could I do to destroy these people? What could I do to divide them to the point that they no longer can stand? When Jesus says in Luke 11, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Do you think that's true? Do you think it's true that a house divided against itself cannot? And Jesus says that, he goes, there is, there is a big threat right now of division in this country. And I don't know that we are seeing it clearly for what it is. Because I think we, there's, there's all of these thoughts about, about politics and opinions and our stances. And, and, and that is all super legit. I also just go, spiritually, the enemy is up to something and I don't want us to miss it. So can you pray with me this morning as we dive into that? 
Um, Revelations 3 says that we should pray that God would put salve on our eyes so that we can see. So let's pray that together this morning. Um, Oh, Holy Father, will you give us eyes so that we can see? Will you put salve on our eyes so that we would be able to see what is happening in our country, that we could see what is happening right in front of us? Um, Lord, we ask for your mercy and we ask for your wisdom that we as your people would be able to stand where you ask us to stand and be who you ask us to be. So, um, Holy Spirit, come this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, hold on. I got to put this down. I'm having some problems with paper. Yeah. You ever had to put your hair in a bun to preach before, have you? No, it's like going into battle. Here, take my... Thank you, somebody. Um, Okay. Okay. Sorry, there's so much wind. For all of you who pray, we pray against the wind. Holy Spirit, will you calm the wind, please? Jesus, you are a wind calmer. I read that in your book. So could you please calm the wind so that we can... um, so we can just press in this morning. So let me ask you this, this story. Um, what do you think is the enemy's scheme right now? When there is fear in our country, who do you think is the author of that fear? When you see division in our country, who do you think is the author of that division? When there's unity and when there's peace, who birthed that? Who is the father of that? The scripture says that we will know a tree by its fruit. What kind of fruit is falling off our trees? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is coming out of the heart of our country? I want to talk to you this morning, not so much as individual followers of Jesus, but as citizens of America who are children of God. How do we look at this story? So when God created the world, he created it with diversity in it. He created day and night and land and sea and male and female. And he created this diversity and it's meant and it's different from each other. And what's so amazing is when that diversity works together in unity, that is when the kingdom of God is reflected. When diversity works together in unity, that is where the kingdom of God comes to life and is reflected on this earth. And so it's not that we're all supposed to be the same. I actually don't think we're all supposed to have the same opinions about everything. I don't think there's necessarily that we're supposed to land in one place. It is that we are supposed to figure out how to live in unity. How do we live in love? How do we love our neighbor? How do we actually live that way? When diversity comes together in unity, then we see the kingdom of God. And when when I look at our country right now, I go, that does not feel like where we are. That does not seem true here right now, that we are living really unified in the midst of our diversity. I feel like the enemy is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy through dividing us. Even people who would be Christians, who you'd think would be unified, we're not. And some of that is okay because we have different opinions, and we have got to work this through our system and talk through this. But we are meant to be unified and be people of love in this story. And I feel in the spirit that the enemy is having a heyday right now. When we pray the Lord's Prayer and we say, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we as God's people are supposed to be people who are saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. That is what it's supposed to be like. Today, I don't feel like it's very like that. 
I don't feel like that's very true right now in America. So who are we as God's people in the midst of this story? What's interesting is I feel like when COVID was happening, there was this sense in which, you know, we all, we, we shut down the country for the sake of the most vulnerable. And I feel like it was perhaps the biggest act of solidarity this world has ever seen, where we as a whole nation, a whole world, we're like, you know what, let's stop and we'll isolate ourselves and care for the most vulnerable. And in that, I saw some really beautiful parts of humanity come out. There was something really powerful, the way that we were generous and kind and loving, and we cared about our neighbors who live next door. There's something really beautiful that happened. And then we busted out of quarantine and turned a really interesting corner, didn't we? And all of a sudden, I go, there is so much division and so much anger. Lord, what would you have us do in this story? So... We're in the middle of a series called, He Came Full of Grace and Truth. He came full of grace and truth. That God came, Jesus came to this earth full of grace, full of truth. And I think as a nation, we are in desperate need of both right now. Um, I want to go and look at Luke 19 together. This is the story of when Jesus approaches Jerusalem on what we now know as Palm Sunday. And he, he's riding on his donkey down the Mount of Olives, and the people are worshiping him. And they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they are praising him. Praise God in the highest. And they are saying, he is here. He is Messiah. We have this huge parade going down. And then he kind of turns the corner, and he sees the city of Jerusalem. And I want to read to you what happens. It's in Luke 19. And he turns that corner, and it says, as he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city And he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. And then he prophesies about the fall of Jerusalem. And then the last line he says right there is that you did not recognize. If you had known on this day what would bring you peace, but you didn't recognize the time of God's coming to you. He says something really similar in Luke 13. I'll read that to you too. He says this. You guys ever preached in a tornado? That's what I'm doing. Okay, this is what he said. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her? We're not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. Oh, Jerusalem, you were not willing. It's like he's saying, he goes, Jerusalem, he's weeping over Jerusalem. He goes, because I have come to you with grace. Here's the grace, people. Jesus says, I have come to help my people. I am a God who is here. I am a God who has showed up. I am a God who comes with peace and with mercy and salvation. And he said, that's so interesting. He says, you are not willing. There's another translation that says you would not have it. You would have none of it. He says, I've come to bring you peace. But the truth is, mother, who's like, I just won't have it. I will not have it. Israel was as a nation at this moment where they would not have it. They would not have what he offered. And a lot of it you can see in the venomous way that he talks to the Pharisees. When he goes, he says, you are washing the outside of the cup, but you're missing the point. There's so many places he comes against missing it. I have come and I'm bringing all of this peace and truth and grace and salvation. And you're looking life itself in the face and you're missing it. You won't have it. You are not willing. And he weeps. Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. Now, if I was there that day, I would have been, hopefully I'd been a part of the parade and I'd be like, Jesus, I just was here with you and we had this parade down the Mount of Olives and we waved the palm branches and we spread our cloaks and we want your peace. Like, Jesus, what are you talking about that we won't have it? 
And I think that's so interesting is because a lot of individuals and even masses during Jesus' time, the gospels are stories are full of it, where the individuals would say, yes, we do want your peace. But somehow as a nation, they were saying, no, we don't. And he weeps. It breaks his heart. I mean, Jesus only weeps recorded a couple times in scripture where when Lazarus died, I'm sure he wept in Gethsemane. And then right here where he goes, gosh, I'm weeping over this city because you're missing it. Life itself has come and you're missing it. So what does it mean when we as a people don't recognize the time of the Lord's coming to us, when we don't recognize what it is that God is doing in our midst? And I would say that I feel like God is weeping over America today. I think he is weeping over that as a nation that we are missing it, that as a nation we have removed God from the places that we focus our eyes. The things that we look at is not focused on God. We look at all this other stuff. And I think as individuals, I think a lot of us would say, I do want the peace of God and I am looking at him. But there's a difference. Do you see the difference in what, G- what happened with Jesus that day on the Mount of Olives when he's weeping over Jerusalem? And do you see the difference in that today where he goes, I have come with grace. I have come and offered these things to you, and yet you would not have it. I think he's saying the same thing to us as America, that we would not have it. What he has offered us, the peace, the unity, the grace, I go, is, does that feel like what our country feels like today? Do we feel like a country that has turned our eyes to the Lord? Do we feel like a nation under God? It's all from that place. I think it's interesting that God says, that Jesus says in that passage that the house is left to you desolate. Do you think that our house is becoming desolate and empty? Something crazy is going on in our country. I think we are reaping what we have long since sown. We have been sowing a rebellion against. Um, I don't know if you guys know this story, but when George Washington was inaugurated as president, he, he gave his first inaugural address, and then he it was in New York City, was the capital at the time. And then he walked down the street and went to a little chapel. And he, the president and the first houses of Congress that were newly elected, their first act as a new government was to pray and to dedicate this nation to the Lord. That was their first thing they wanted to do is say, God, your will be done here. I feel like we have strayed really far from that moment. And I think there's a lot of things that I would, you know, about our forefathers that have been coming to light that I go, there's some things about that that I'm not crazy about. I go, this one I am. This one I am really thankful that George Washington would go. He walked down the street and said, let's go to a, we're going to all go pray. And all of the bells in New York City rang that morning. They rang for a half an hour, calling people to prayer. And I go, does that feel like what's happening in our nation right now? Are people like, oh, my gosh, we should start to pray. Have you heard a lot of people who are going, come on, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to be our light. What does it say in the song, God Bless America? I mean, could we even say that that is a prayer that our nation prays even anymore? We still sing the song. But does that sound like a prayer that we pray? It says, God, stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. Are we asking God to be our light right now? When I kind of step back in the spirit and go, God, what is going on here? It doesn't feel like that. I feel like we are a nation that has become pretty prideful, that has been pretty full of ourselves, and we're pretty sure that we're going to get it right. And um, I was reading this week, and I read this thing that said, that what is the original sin of America? And the thought was, is racism the original sin of America? 
And is that why it's wreaking such havoc in our, day, in our lives right now? It has become such an ugly, deep-rooted sin because it was our original sin. I think there's something to that. I also think there's something to, there is an original sin of pride and of independence in our nation that has driven us into that racism. I think it was this, this independent, we call it the independent spirit of America, but I think there's something deeper in that that's like, they go, we can do it. We, we will not be conquered. We are the strongest. We will, somewhere we stopped going, we will through the strength of God. We will, by bowing our knee and asking God to be our light, somehow we dropped that part and started to just go, we, we, I will be stronger. This will not, this will not conquer us. Is it that pride? Is it that spirit of pride and arrogance in our country that drove us to this crazy racism that we would enslave black people to build monuments to our own arrogance? Oh, Lord, help us. Um, I want to hop to Galatians 5 real quick. It says this, it says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in the single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. This is so interesting. So he says a couple things. One, he says, serve one another in love. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Those really good advice. And then catch this. He says, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by one another. I feel like we're doing some biting and devouring. Instead of our diversity leading us to unity and working together beautifully to reflect the kingdom of God, we are biting, we are devouring. We are saying like, no, my way. No, we will figure it out. There is not a humbleness here. And then he, ta- he launches into this thing about the fruits of the, the sinful nature. I'm just going to read to you the couple words in here, that, um, like the fruits of the flesh, that sound a whole lot like our newspapers right now. It says, hatred, discord, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and factions. He's saying, when you see division, whose ground are you on? When you see people biting and devouring each other, whose ground are you on? The enemy is trying to divide us. He is trying to split us apart. Who are we as a nation going to be? A house divided against itself cannot stand. 1 John 5 says, we know that the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. Really? If that is true, people of God, we have got to start to pray. People of God, we have got to start to change this story. I think what's so good about what's happening right now is a lot of things that have been hidden, that have maybe been underground wreaking havoc, like a hidden cancer in our country, they've come up to the light. Things have entered the light right now. Some, in some ways, we can see more clearly right now than we have been able to see in a long time. I think sometimes, I was taught as a child, like, you know, the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln, they did the heavy lifting to really eradicate racism from our country and then MLK had that big walk and then the last racist killed MLK and now we are free I go that's not true actually that's not true and if any of us believed that we now have been awakened haven't we now we know we go there's there's racism that is that is wreaking havoc in our country that there's people a whole people group that have been oppressed that the original sins of America are, we can see their ugly head. 
And some, I think Satan is often very, um, he's very sneaky and he's deceptive. Right now, I would say Satan, you can just see his pitchfork. You go like, oh, there he is. I see the division. I see the way that we are shredding each other. I see the way that we are coming against one another. I see the way that things are being destroyed. But I am so grateful that we have been able to see because now when you can see, we can repent. We can turn this around because God has got a different story. We don't have to stay here. America, we don't have to be this kind of place. We can change this story. The enemy's power is in hiding and he has been exposed. So children of God, can we be people who go, yep, let's change the story. There are spiritual strongholds in America that need to be broken. We are under a spiritual inheritance from our forefathers, both for good and for bad. There's some things that they did that were like, yes, I totally believe that that comes from the heart of God. And there are some things they did that are atrocious. And I go, we need to see it and we need to repent of it and not let that continue to wreak havoc in us. We need to steward our spiritual life as a nation. There's generational sin that we've inherited from our forefathers that we need to repent of. There's ideas, theologies, systems, practices that our forefathers shook hands with and they agreed to, and those things have been woven into the fabric of our country. And no wonder our foundation is crumbling because there's some things in our foundation that are really broken, that are really not okay. It reminds me of the, the, the parable of the wise and the foolish builders. You know, they build a house and some, one of them builds it on the rock and the storm comes and they stand. And then some build it on the sandy land. And what happens? The storm comes, the waters rise, and that house collapses. Luke 6. I think that's what's happening in our country. I think our foundation wasn't as solid as we thought it was. And there are some things that are crumbling. People, the storm has risen. The water levels have risen and come up, and things are shaking. Things needed to shake, people, and they are shaking. Can we start to change the story? Can we see, when we see something in our history, something in our current nation that does not come from the heart of the Father, can we see it and go, God, we need to repent of that? Because we as Americans can repent of sins of Americans, even, though if, even if it's not an individual sin. We can, we can repent corporately for the sins of our nation and the sins of our forefathers because spiritually we live in that inheritance. Spiritually, that is our foundation. And so when we see something broken, all you see it, you repent of it, and then you break its power in the name of Jesus. You say, in the name of Jesus, no, we are not going to be a nation that lives in this kind of division. No, we are not going to be a nation that agrees with racism. We are not going to be a nation that says that we are going to enslave black people. No, we are going to live in a different story, people. Children of God, rise up. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Can you hear the laughter of the enemy just ringing through the halls of hell? and rattling the foundations of the earth, I think he thinks he's won. I think he thinks that he has taken the country that wrote, in God we trust on our money, and that he has actually gotten us to a place where we are biting and devouring one another and where we will destroy one another. I think he thinks he's won. There is such brutality and such division. Satan has stolen Satan has killed and Satan has destroyed. That is the spiritual story that's going on. And there are people who are in this story, but the enemy is in this story. And I would say that spiritually we are holding on by a very thin thread. 
So America is a democracy. It is not a theocracy. There's a separation between church and state. So it is not the government's job to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Though I would love a moral, good, kind government. I hope I will vote in that direction. But there's a separation between church and state. And there's a million things I'd like to say to the state right now. But right now I am talking to the church. Church, who are you going to be? The children of God, it is our job to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. It is our job to usher in that God's will would be done here as it is in heaven. It is the church's job. So do not expect the state to do the work of the Father. It is the church's job to do the work of our Father. Who are we going to be? You are the children of the King. You are the children of the Most High God. And you are in this time, in this place for a reason. God put you here on purpose. Do not waste your inheritance. Do not waste this day. Be the children of God who cause the kingdom to come. Be the children of God who break the bonds of our spiritual inheritance that is full of sin in this country. Be the people who usher in the truth of what God intended the people of God to be, what people intended America to be. Could we say that we will be people who will bring God's kingdom to earth? Could we be the people who would bring God's kingdom to earth in Boulder? Even just right here, would we say the kingdom of God will be different because of the children of God who live here? Rise up, children of God. Okay, last thing I want to tell you. Psalm 127 says something a little bit bizarre, and then it ends with, are a heritage from the Lord, and children are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Okay, sons are a blessing from the Lord. In this time when this is written, sons would have been children of full inheritance. Women did not get a full inheritance. Daughters didn't get a full inheritance. Sons did. So when it says sons in this context, it is saying people of full inheritance. Children of full inheritance, okay? Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of children of full inheritance. And then it says this, they will not be put to shame when they contend with the enemies in the gate. Okay, this is the deal. In in the ancient world, a gate is not like a gate into your backyard. A gate was like there was was one door and then there was a hallway through, through the really thick wall of the city and then there was another gate, okay, that actually led into the streets. So in that space, that was called the gate. And in there, if you wanted to enter the city, you would go into there and they would maybe talk to you. And they wouldn't let you through the second gate unless they wanted you into the city, into the kingdom. Okay? And if they didn't like you, frankly, they would kill you because there was holes up above that gate where they could shoot down into that hallway and kill with an arrow anybody that they didn't want to have in their city. So when you enter the gate of a city, you are at the mercy of that city. And this verse says that sons contend with the enemy in the gate. If this is my father's city, if this is my father's kingdom, and I am his son, I am a child of full inheritance, 
I go to that gate and I'm going to say, there will be no enemies that will come into my father's city. I will not let anybody, no enemies will come in here. I will contend with the enemy in the gate. I will fight the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy in my city. I will fight him in the gate. Children of true inheritance fight for the inheritance of the king. They stand in that gate and they say, not on my watch. You will not come into my city and destroy the inheritance of my father. You will not. Sons contend with their enemy in the gate. Who are you going to be, children of God? Are you going to be children who contend with the enemy and who say, not on my watch will I let the enemy come in, steal, kill, and destroy this nation that God has a different plan for? He has a different plan, and the enemy is winning. He thinks he is winning, and his fingerprints are everywhere. Children, will you step up? Will you contend? Will you fight? And, it's, and that verse says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Is God's quiver full of sons who will contend with the enemy in the gate in this city? In Boulder County, is God's quiver full of people who will say, yes, send me. I will contend for the truth. I will contend for love. The fruit of the Spirit will flow out of me. Not dissensions and factions and hatred and jealousy and anger. No, I will be full of love and I'll be full of power and I'll fight for justice and mercy through the power of God. Are we, fulfill, are we fulfilling our call to bring God's, to multiply God's image and shalom on the earth? Are we being those people? Children of God, will you rise up? Micah 6, 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. What does God require of you? To walk humbly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Will you walk in the story? I do not know what your role is. I do not know what he wants you to do, but I do know that he does. He has wisdom for you in whatever particular story you might be sitting in. He has wisdom for you. Will you walk humbly before your God as you act justly and love mercy? There's a verse in Isaiah 30, 21, and it says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. As we walk humbly before our God, we will hear a voice behind us saying, whether you turn to the right or to the left, this is the way. Walk in it. We can trust him. We can trust him to lead us as his children about what does it mean to contend? What does it mean to fight for his kingdom to come on the earth? What does it mean to pull heaven down and say, yes, your will will be done here. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Father, may your name be praised. We are called to kick against the darkness until it bleeds daylight. Children of God, will you do that? Will you contend with the enemy of the, in the gate? Will you be children of God who are marked by love? And let me ask you this. When you are squeezed, what comes out of you? When America is squeezed, what comes out of it? I pray that it is the fruits of the Spirit that come out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we get squeezed, when things get hard, what comes out of us? Who takes a lamp and hides it under a bowl? 
Who takes the children of God and quarantines them in living rooms and glues them to TVs in horror and despair? That has the fingerprints of the enemy on it. The fingerprints of the enemy. The enemy wants to quarantine you and isolate you and keep you silent and keep you from actually stepping up as the anointed, beloved child of God that you are. Do not let him. Our God is a God of peace. Our God is a God of shalom. And our God is a God of power. Do not let the enemy steal your inheritance. Do not let him take what is not his to take. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with our God. So the last thing we want to do together is I just want to ask us to pray. Um, in a minute, we're going we're gonna to worship together. And we are going to take communion in our cars with our families. Um, but for the moment, I just would like us to, just to pray. Um, we have an opportunity to repent of what it is that's going on in our nation, what it is that we inherited from our forefathers. What, is the, what are the sins of America? What is the spiritual climate of America? And can we as God's children contend and pray to change that story? So what I want to ask you to do in your cars, um, if, you, if you're there with your spouse or a friend, would you guys just pray together? And I think, I think I actually need to give you some homework. I don't think we can actually get all this done here in this parking lot right now. We have got a lot of things that we need to search God's heart on, that we need to be praying about, that we need to be with, that we need to fight for, and that we need God's direction and mercy to say, how do we do this, God? So... Um, so one is I want you to just to notice, and maybe if you would every day this week go, Lord, what else do you want me to see? And sit quietly with him and ask him to put that salve on your eyes so that we can see. Revelations 3. Help us to see. Give us wisdom to understand the times in which we live. There was a, there's a thing that called the, the men of Issachar. And there's this little phrase about them in the Old Testament. The men of Issachar understood the times and knew what Israel should do. The men of Issachar understood the times and knew what Israel should, should do. And I'm going to pray a spirit of Issachar over us right now, that we would understand the times we live in and then have the wisdom to know what we should do. So God, search us, oh God. Search our hearts. Test us. Know our anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in us and lead us in the way everlasting, God. God, we repent of the places where we have shook hands with the enemy, the things that he has whispered in our ears as individuals, the things that he has whispered in our ears as a nation. We repent. We are broken, God, over what is happening around us and in our midst. The people who are dying. God, we know you are weeping. We are weeping. We are broken. God, give us eyes to see. Put salve on our eyes so that we can see. God, we do pray a spirit of Issachar over us, that we would be like those men who would understand the times and know what we should do. Give us wisdom, God. We are so broken. We are in need of you. Thank you that you are a God who's so full of grace that you offer such goodness and that you're a God of truth that tells us how it really is so that we don't miss what it is that's actually happening. And I would ask you that when you take communion, when you put that, the bread and the wine into your body, let it remind you that you are God's child, that he is in you, that he is with you. When you leave this parking lot, that you're doing it with him inside of you. 
You carry him into this world. You are an ambassador of him. So when you put that in your body today, be reminded you are his child. You are marked with love. And you get to carry that out into the world. So God, we, we repent. We know that the sin of racial injustice in this nation is massive. And we no longer would want to be on the side that allows it to continue. God, we ask that you would teach us how to, how to pursue real shalom, real peace, the shalom that comes from you, God. We pray that over this county. We pray that over this nation. Holy Spirit, come. We cannot fight this battle without you. But God, we say, yes, send us. Here I am, send me all that I am, all that I have. I do not know what you want me to do, but God, I will go. Open my ears so I can hear you. Open my heart that I can understand where you're leading me and open my eyes so that I can see. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name.